Hi guys and welcome back to the Female Fitness Podcast. I'm your host Danny, and today I have the pleasure of being joined by Lauren Tickner. Lauren is a Forbes top 10 entrepreneur and CEO of Impact School but she also used to run her own fitness business and be an online coach herself. So Lauren first of all could you tell us a little bit about Impact School and what you do now? Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much for having me on. And it feels good to be back on a, on a fitness podcast. I'm going back to my roots here. Um, and so right now what we do, having been an online fitness coach for quite a long time and then working with companies like Gymshark and being sponsored just by, you know, loads of different top name brands. Well, it was really interesting. Gymshark essentially pivoted its marketing strategy. It was like a few years ago now and they wanted to become more mainstream. And so me and loads of my friends that were all sponsored at the time, we all just got dropped by them. And it's super funny, like my most popular YouTube video is like me talking about this, <laughs> it's so random. Um, but anyway, the reason I bring this up is because essentially my friends who also got dropped at the time, they saw that I was still traveling. They saw that I was still having clients and just having you know, a, a decent quality of life. And they were like, Lauren, what are you doing? Because Gymshark used to essentially, you know, they would pay people to travel, et cetera. Um, and so I kind of told them, hey, look, I'm doing this online coaching thing. I've sold ebooks in the past, but that's not necessarily the most sustainable business model. And so I just literally gave them a few tips. And then some of my friends would just post on, I think it was even on Snapchat back then. They'd be like, guys, go click the link in my Instagram bio and check out this new uh, coaching program. I've got a wait list, da 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 da. Because I kind of gave them this, this strategy. And they would say like, thank you, Lauren, for sort of helping me with this. And it was really low key and casual. And I just never thought, I never in a million years thought that this would become business. You know what I mean? Because I was just, I was literally just helping my friends so that, you know, we, we could go travel the US and <laughs> things like that. Um, and so long story short, they then had some personal trainers following them. And um they saw their landing pages and they were like, I want this type of thing too. Like I want an online business. So those people started messaging me on Instagram. And so essentially Impact School was kind of born through that without me ever really even planning on monetizing it because I had so many people DMing me. And then at the same time, I saw someone who was selling a course about how to build a personal brand, but he didn't really, you know, have very much of a personal brand. Um, his personal brand was more like his reputation in person where I was like, you know, he didn't have a big audience online. So I was like, huh, maybe I can take what he's doing, figure out the whole online type of thing, and then essentially teach people how to build a personal brand so they can pull in clients. So I essentially made this course. And then what I ended up realizing is that everyone was buying the course because they wanted to grow their online coaching business. And then I made a course on how to grow your online coaching business. And then I realized that people on average only complete like 35% of a course. And I don't know about you, but like, well, I do know about you, but I don't know about the majority of people, but I personally would much rather feel the level of impact that I'm making over people's lives rather than sort of like a transactional sale where someone buys a course, you make the money, they complete 35% and only get 35% of the results. And so I thought, well, why don't I take what I was doing in fitness coaching, bring it to this whole new world that I'm exploring now. And essentially it's an online course plus coaching plus consulting, which allows clients aka you know personal trainers who want to build an online business for example or even we have some like financial planners who become clients of ours it allows them to leverage their time while still get their getting their clients the same level of result um so that's sort of how all of that started and yeah so now we essentially help people scale online coaching and consulting companies 
So Lauren, yeah, it's really nice that your business sort of grew organically and you went in the direction that it naturally flowed rather than forcing it in a certain way. And I think there's a lot of sort of business coaches out there that never sort of had their own fitness business themselves, whereas you went down that route and it naturally flowed, which is amazing. You know what's really funny? Um, <laughs> so amongst all of that craziness, um, I was actually at uni in Bath. And so I was studying business administration, which Bath and Cambridge always like flicker between like number one and number two for business. And um, <laughs> so I sat there at the time, right? And this was like the UK's number one business degree. And you know what? It became really apparent to me. None of these people have ever had their own business and they're trying to teach me business. And it's actually kind of just exactly like what you're saying here. It's like, um, I see it quite a lot in my industry. It's, it's pretty common. It's like you have theorists who understand the concepts behind marketing, who understand the concepts behind coaching, but they've never actually like, you know, implemented it for themselves. And it's totally different in the real world. Like I was actually talking to my friend last night. He's doing an MBA right now, funnily enough, at Bath. He's like my, my like real close friend from uni. And he's literally telling me like, Lauren, this is absolute garbage, but he has to do it. And um, it's, it's a real shame, you know, because I'm, I really believe in sort of like, you know, making sure that people who are the most skilled get the result and the reward, right? Because they're the ones who have worked hard to, to hone in their craft. Um, and yeah, I mean, again, it's kind of like in the fitness industry, when people sort of are preaching one thing, but actually acting in another way, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. you see this a lot and, and it's a problem, but at the end of the day, I think it all comes back around. Um, and I don't know, like, this is just my sort of way of thinking, but what you do when no one is looking, I believe is, is what makes, what makes you who you are. And yeah. so that's ultimately what I'm always thinking to myself when I'm about to like, if I'm in the gym and I'm like about to like drop the barber and I'm like, nah, I can't do another like clean and press, whatever. Um, I'm like, no, Lauren, come on. This is the one that makes you the person that you are. And that's sort of what, um, what kind of gets me through. Uh, but yeah, no, I appreciate that. So yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah. And obviously you've had now a lot of success in the world of business. And when you were a fitness coach as well, you had a lot of success with that. But I think a lot of success comes from learning from our mistakes. What would you say are the biggest mistakes that you made and how have you learned from those? Whew, that is a huge question. <laughs> I mean, the, the first one that springs to mind is ultimately pivoting away from my zone of genius. So I have always been someone who gets kind of distracted very easily. And I find it very, very hard to focus on something unless I'm really obsessed with like this one thing. We were actually having a conversation about this at dinner when you were over here yeah. in Dubai. Um, and so what ended up happening was when I was a fitness coach, I have always loved business. Just the actual business structure, business strategy, the marketing, the sales, like just the kind of boring bits that most people probably hate. I love it. And I absolutely lap it up other than the, the tax. I mean, that's why I'm into, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, but for real though, like just, yeah. So I always started jumping to different things. And so while I was in the fitness industry, I created a hashtag strength feed, right? The word strength and then the word feed, F-E-E-D. You can go on there now. It has like a couple hundred thousand posts on it. 
And so that was essentially my brand back then. And that started through that being the name of my fitness coaching. And then I made a fitness ebook and I sold like four or 5,000 copies of these things. And then I had the ultimate guide to tracking macros. And those ebooks themselves, while they generated me a good amount of revenue at that point, well, I didn't even think about it as revenue about back then. I thought it as like my personal income. I didn't have any plan on the back end to understand how to you know, upsell those people into coaching so that they can actually get the support that they needed. Because again, it was very transactional. It was like they bought an ebook. And then while I had thousands of people buying, thousands of people buying these ebooks, I never felt the impact I was making over them. And it was like yeah. this really weird time for me. Um, and so the ebooks distracted me from my coaching. What distracted me even more is that because I had this strength feed community, as I called it, I wanted to create leggings. I was like, I'm going to make the best leggings better than Lululemon. And oh my goodness me. I mean, I invested 10,000 pounds of dollars. I don't recall right now. But basically, this is quite a few years ago now. And that for me back then, and it is still a lot of money. But like for me back then, that was like so much money. Like it was kind of sickening. But I was like, I want to do this because I want to make this product. And I want to have people being able to wear this in the gym and feel good. And my people will love it. You know, it'll bring the community closer together. And so it ended up, I won't get down into the nitty gritty, but like I knew nothing, <laughs> nothing about <laughs> manufacturing. I mean, look, you know what the type of clothes I wear. I am really just the least fashionable person you'll ever meet. It's like a simple plain top and then some type of shorts and probably some ultra boost trainers. And um, anyways, so literally I had no idea what this bloke is going on about. And so I was deviating from my area of focus and what ended up happening was like, they ended up doing all of the stitching wrong. And luckily I managed to get the majority of the money refunded after they sent me like 500 pairs of leggings, which were basically fleecy. Like I tried to put my calf through the size large legging and I couldn't even get it past the thigh part. You know, like I'm yeah. quite a small woman. Um, and <laughs> normally I would have worn like a size extra small. The large was like, and it was fleecy and it was awful. So that happened. Then I got distracted by trying to start like a marketing agency. I tried to do some other e-commerce. I then got really into cryptocurrency. And they call it like entrepreneurial ADHD. I don't really like this phrase because I don't think you should put like a, um, you know, ADHD on something that isn't ADHD. And the reason I have these, you know, I hate the word retarded, for example. And I hate yeah. it when people use that as an insult because my brother's disabled, you know, so I don't like it. But that's what it's known as. And I think it is a real problem, actually, because when you lose that focus and you, <laughs> you try and start all these different things thinking like oh this could be a moonshot when you don't even know the area when you don't know you know when you don't know the things too about business when now I'm in this industry I know that the majority of these huge companies they have venture capitalists backing them they have you know family offices who are giving them millions and millions and millions so they have unlimited money um and so it's just like focus you know just even now while I'm talking I'm waffling aren't I so it's like it's this thing for me but when I get passionate about something it's like you know I'm obsessed <laughs> yeah definitely and would you say that with that in mind it's beneficial for most fitness professionals to sort of like have a niche and focus on that and be really good at one thing rather than trying to do sort of lots of things at once I think the thing is this right when you're trying to get your business to your first sort of probably like 10,000 a month or so, ultimately, you have to remember that the people who are able to serve all of these different markets, they have a team. 
They have people working for them. They have previous revenue. Maybe they even have investors. And so that's why they're able to go out and help various different people. When you're first starting out, then if you pick one specific problem that you solve, okay? So I like to think about it as the outcome that you take people to. And then you pick one specific group of people who you want to take towards that outcome, then things become so much easier. So let's think of an example. Let's just say the outcome that you take people to is getting their pre-pregnancy body back. Okay. And so who's the person that you're going to take to that? Well, it could be a mom that has kids that are now teenagers. It could be a mom that has kids that are literally just newborns. It could be a mom of twins. You know, it depends which area you want to go down, but you, you get to choose and you get to decide. And while you can help everyone, you just can't help everybody all at once because then there's going to be a problem with your message to market match. I mean, this is an example that we use with our clients. Let's just say you help people lose weight, right? You help men, even, even if you have your, your outcome nailed down and then it's that you help men lose stomach fat. Okay. Well, if you don't have the person to take to that outcome, then the messaging is going to be very, very different. Think about it this way. You could say, I help dads lose their beer belly, or you could say, I'm going to help you get shredded abs so that you can pick up girls at the beach. You know what I mean? Like those are going to be two different messages for two totally different audiences, despite yeah. the fact that you're taking them to the same outcome. And so this is where knowing those two things is absolutely critical. I'm really getting ultra laser sharp focused at the beginning, get yourself to an area where you'll become known in that space. And then you can expand. Like I started out just helping fitness coaches because that's what I was. That's what I knew. Oftentimes your best ideal client is you just a few years ago. And so that was the same as me in the fitness industry. I was helping women become stronger, both physically and mentally after I had had a bunch of problems with regards to anxiety and having panic attacks every single day for over a year. And so I knew that that was the problem that I wanted to solve for people. And so then once you're beyond that, and once you become known, and once you've honed in your craft, and if you're feeling like you want to move on, then either it's a case of building a team around that problem and scaling that up, um, through the team and then finding yourself in different areas through managing people, leading people, dealing with cash flow and all of this fun stuff. Or it's a case of opening up to more people, but you have to realize at that point, then your impact is probably going to be lower. So after that, then you can go broader. But to begin with, absolutely. But that niche, the, the outcome and the person that you're going to take to that outcome, that's everything. Yeah. So that's probably one of the mistakes that people make, like not having a specific niche and not specializing in a certain area. What are the other like main mistakes you see fitness professionals making now? Oh my gosh, it's, it's so easy. And I think you're even going to know what I'm going to say. Charging way too little, way too little. When people don't pay much, they don't pay much attention. You know what I mean? So if you're gonna if you're gonna see a Facebook ad and let's say your problem right now is that like you know you can't you can't get clients if you see a Facebook ad for something which is a course which is like 50 bucks or 50 pounds or whatever do you really think that's gonna be your ticket to a multi-million pound or multi-million dollar business you know for example if you see an ebook for sale for one pound, one dollar, is that really going to be the thing that could save you and your marriage? You know, it's like, <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. And so 
if someone isn't invested, then they don't have much skin in the game. And so they're not going to get as good results. And here's the thing. A lot of fitness coaches, they get super frustrated because their clients aren't doing their check-ins or they get frustrated because their client just doesn't seem to be taking it too seriously. Now, of course, there are those clients that do commit and they do take it seriously. But at the end of the day, if someone is investing more, they're going to be putting more energy into it. And also then you're going to turn away those sort of more time-wasted clients because there's this whole theory and marketing. Um, and I won't get deep down into it now because I could nerd out on this for like way too many hours. Um, but essentially it's the stages of awareness. And the thing is, is that if you're, if you're marketing towards sort of something which is a kind of a cheap investment and it's not really going to be too much time or energy or effort, then those people are essentially aren't as committed to getting their problem solved. They aren't even aware enough about the consequences of their problem. And so that's why they don't take as much action. Whereas then if you go for the people who ultimately are super aware of their problem, they've already tried a bunch of stuff in the past, they already know that when you buy cheap, you buy twice. And so then you'll be able to get those high paying clients who are committed and invested and they're gonna be the champions of your company. You know, the people who actually show up, who do the work, they're going to tell everyone about you. They're going to refer their friends, which means that you get more clients as well as that. They'll be happy to give you testimonials because they'll be so happy with the result. And then you can use those testimonials to market more to more to other people. You can run Facebook ads behind that. And then at the end of the day, their referrals become free marketing and that money you can then use to blow up your brand in another way, right? Whether it's ads, whether it's, you know, putting more team members into your company, um, various different things. And so I would say the low price point that fitness coaches um, charges is, is, is a real big problem, but it's not just the price point itself. It's the way the price is positioned, right? So, I mean, price psychology is massive as well. If I'm out there like, and I'm thinking, oh yeah, like a hundred pounds a month for this fitness coach, you know, that's, that's, I know in, in, to some people like that, that's a good amount of money, but to people who really need their problem solved, I mean, they're going to be wasting more money on like skinny teas and supplements and unnecessary fat freezing treatments, which are an absolute joke, but you could come in and you could get them to pay you for a program. They go along the program and at the end of the program, you know, if someone gets from A to B, once they've reached B, they now want to get to C, you know what I mean? So then you can have them on some recurring journey with you. And so that depends on each different business, but it's also the way people position things, okay? So rather than saying 100 pounds a month, where they can easily drop off, a real like true business, when you think about it as a business, and the, the reason I present it like that is because for so long, I didn't present my business as a business. I thought of it only as my personal income. Yeah. But if you are a business, you want to collect more cash up front. So you can use that cash to run more ads. So you can use that cash to, well, in a physical business, you know, you want to be paying your suppliers early to get discounts. These are all different things that businesses and their finance and their operations think about. So for example, if you're charging for a 16 week program, let's say you're brand new, you're starting out, you're still pretty unconfident. You're only charging like 1.8 K, you know, dollars, pounds, whatever. Let's say you're starting there. You get 1.8 K up front. Imagine how much freedom that gives you, knowing that you've just collected 1.8K. Even if that month you only get like one of the clients, 
you're still getting paid more than most jobs, <laughs> right? And so it's just a very, very freeing type of mindset and it really lowers the barrier. Um, but just one thing that I want to go back to because I, I didn't come full circle on this and I want to make sure that I close any open loops. Yeah. Um, just going back to when we were talking about the one outcome and one group of people, that also makes your marketing much, much easier because if you're only helping people with one outcome and you're only helping one type of person, then as I mentioned, your messaging becomes easier, like saying the shredded abs thing. But as well as that, you're always talking about the problems that are preventing people from reaching that outcome. So sort of all of that stuff that I just mentioned there together, that is going to be really, really useful for anyone that's trying to grow an online coaching company. Yeah. And when it comes to, whilst we're on the subjective pricing, when it comes to price increases, say there's a coach that's like, right, okay, I'm undercharging and he's charged more money. Would you sort of gradually creep the, the price that you charge up or would you just increase quite dramatically? So this is a, a really great question. And this was, this is probably the thing that comes up the most when I'm talking to just sort of friends, you know, who our coaches, trainers who now wants to sort of actually be bringing in those more higher level clients, you know, high ticket clients. And so here's the thing. A lot of times people will base their future decisions on the now and the what has already been, right? Whereas they don't base their decisions on future growth potential. And so the way that I like to think about it is this. The current clients that you have right now, they're your clients of the moment. You know, they're your clients that you've had in the past. You've learned a lot from them and you're grateful that you've been able to serve them. But at the same time, they don't know how lucky they are to be working with someone who has so much knowledge and expertise, which is worth thousands and thousands and thousands. I mean, think about how much money, how much time, how much mental energy you would have saved if you'd have had someone who has the knowledge that you have now back when you were first starting on your journey. I mean, Danny, like what were some of the fitness mistakes that you made? There was all sorts. Like when I first started going to the gym, I would literally just go on a few cardio machines and um, I would eat like zero carbs. I would eat clean. <laughs> Tell me about it. And so like how many months did that last for? Literally age. I think I probably did that for about a year before I started doing anything else. <laughs> right. So let's think about a gym membership. How much was it a month? Like, I don't, I don't know. Different gym memberships range so much, but on average for like 30 quid, 40 quid. Yeah. Like 30 quid a month, probably at that point. Okay. Well, I can't even do maths this fast, but let's just say that's like 400 pounds. Like, and so in dollars, like, I don't know if you have an American audience, maybe that's like 600 bucks. So 400 pounds, let's say. So that's 400 pounds plus, I mean, did you buy like loads of weird supplements like I did? <laughs> I did. <laughs> I bought some supplements. I also did, uh, I don't know if you know of Kayla at Signs. I did her like- Oh yeah. She was why I got into fitness because I wanted her body when I was like yeah. 15 years yeah so I did that that was like one of the first things I ever did so I was literally doing hit circuits in my bedroom and eating clean <laughs> well as, as well as like you have to think about the opportunity cost of time spent doing all that bs you know what I mean like that time you could have spent at work making money you could have spent like with your family so there's all of that so let's just say overall like I don't know you spend 600 pounds even if your program is like <laughs> you know and as well you would have saved so much time so it's like okay so there's all of that stuff so 600 pounds let's just putting a number on it plus the time maybe it's like 700 800 pounds 
not to mention the time that you could have spent actually like in a job while you were you know doing these weird circuit things and yeah. so what I'm trying to get at is like you know you can save someone so much time energy and effort right and so this is like ultimately when it comes to charging a higher price point people hear it and I, at first I heard it too and I was like I don't want to rip off my clients I want to reach as many people as possible I want to help as many people as possible but then what I was forgetting is that through not doing the high price point I'm actually preventing people from committing I'm preventing them from going all in and this is only one of those things that I feel that you can honestly truly understand either if you've been in a high ticket program and you've seen a result for yourself or when you get your first high ticket client and you see how much their life totally totally changes not just in their health but also in their work in their relationship everything um so just going back to that so essentially rather than sort of you know just suddenly increasing your prices and like just not really doing anything different what we help our clients with at impact school is we help them create an impact offer right and so an impact offer it really does allow our clients to charge up to 16 times more than their competition while getting their clients a better result and ultimately then having the time freedom to be able to go and do the things that they want to do so a lot of our clients because they're really good at what they do they want to be building a brand you know they want to be going on other people's podcasts they want to be doing speaking gigs they want to be doing event like all of these things um <clears throat> and so what we came up with was essentially a solution to empower them to do that based upon what i did when i was in the fitness industry and it's whereby you have that a to b with the b being the outcome and then you create you essentially think okay if I wanted to take, Danny, what's an outcome that you love to take your clients to? To um, setting themselves up for a successful contest prep. I love it. Exactly. So I know we had a few chats about this before. But like, so let's just say, right, getting them in the position where they're going to be able to do that prep. So then it's you, what, what, Danny, you would need to think about is, okay, let's reverse engineer this process. And let's think, what would someone need to go through in order to make that happen? So they're gonna need to, you know, have an understanding of what federation they want to compete in. They're gonna have to have an understanding of, you know, how the actual. How, I mean, God, I mean, it, it, it's been so long for me. I can't even remember these things. I mean, I, I've competed four times as well. But it's like, you know, when fitness is so natural to you, like, and and you're yeah. not coaching so much anymore. It's like, wow, I uh, I need to I need to remember exactly what I would do back in the bikini days. But you know, you would need to te teach them and educate them on posing right? You need to teach them and educate them on all of these different areas, right? So it's like reverse. And this is one of those things where, you know, even on this chat right now, we, we wouldn't come up with it like that because you would yeah. want to pull up a Google document and really like go through it and think through the whole process and reverse engineer everything to see what it would take to get them there, right? And then that document that you've come up with is essentially going to become an online course. Yeah. And then from there, that means that when someone asks you a question, Oh, well, I just don't know which federation to do. Then it's like, oh, just go through module one of the program. And so you don't have to keep repeating yourself, which takes you out of your business so that you can actually focus on being like the CEO looking over your business on how you can grow the company rather than constantly thinking like, okay, I need to go and serve my clients. And then from there, it's not just an online course because like I alluded to earlier, people only complete like 35% of the course. What you're going to want to do is you're going to want to have two other things personalized action plans because each client is different so for you danny it might be that you're going to give your clients like macros and edit and tweak their macros every week um and then what you'll do is every time you're going through and like doing and changing the macros you know 
I know just like, cause I used to be a macro coach. Like that was one of my main things. Um, after the ultimate guide to tracking macros back in the day, um, that was one of the eBooks. Basically, I know that there are certain things I look at every time when I change someone's macros. And so then what I do, and this is what I did back then, is I create a video explaining the things I'm looking at so that in the future I can bring on someone who is qualified to be able to do that for me, for my company, for my clients. So then I have, they call it an SOP, a standard operating procedure. And then you get that for every single thing that you do in your business. So again, you don't have to be always the one doing it. Um, and so that's the personalized action plans. And then as well as that, you'll want to have some coaching to make sure that people are on the course. So this can be done through like group coaching calls, one-on-one -on -one coaching calls, depends really how you want to do it. Um, I always found that my fitness clients really liked having a couple group coaching calls a week, but then also they would have like their feedback through the personalized action plans was done back then through voice notes. Now you can, you know, there's, there's video applications. You can just record a quick little video, send it back to them. Um, that's actually going to be part of the software that we're building right now. So that's cool. But that's a side note. That's cool. So when you were an online coach and you were building your own fitness business, did you find specific things worked for you in regards to scaling your business? And do you think they would work now or do you think they would be different with the way that the fitness industry has progressed? Yeah, that's a great question. I feel that high ticket coaching is more well regarded now. I feel like back then there was this whole stigma like, oh, you're, you're really ripping off your clients. Um, and so I was quite an early mover on that, the high ticket, um, which I'm very, very happy about. Um, I also think that now there's so much more technology that you can use, which is why we're moving into that software space um, to be able to give people what they actually need. Because personally, I don't think that any of these software apps, I mean, God, I've tried them all. My clients have tried them all. It's just none of them do exactly what we want them to. Um, so that's why we're going down that route now. But um, just, I really want to um, quickly, before I dive into that mention, so taking clients that you currently have right now and putting them on your high ticket program, like you mentioned, like with the price increases, ultimately, I think a lot of people right now, they have various different clients who all have different goals. Maybe they're all in fat loss. Maybe some are men, some are women, some are old, some are young, some are students, some are teachers. Like, you know, it's various different groups of people. So it comes down to realizing, you know, you're launching a new program and then it's like, you can go to your clients first and say, Hey, if you want to upgrade to this program, then by the way, always do this on a call. So get them on a call and say, by the way, I have this new program coming out. I think it, and only tell them it's a good fit for them if it is. And then say, if you want early access, I'm happy to give you 50% off. And then kind of just do it like that. If they say yeah. no, then retain them for a while. But at the end of the day, you know, as you start bringing clients into your new program, then it doesn't really matter if they drop off because they're probably going to be paying like, you know, 10% of the price that you're actually going to be charging into the future. That's why I see a lot or like 20, 30%. Um, and so the things that work now are at the end of the day, the best thing is to know your ideal client better than anyone else. I think that's the biggest competitive advantage that you can possibly have. Um, that's why I do always often find that the best ideal client is literally someone that's been through what you've been through. Um, other things that I think, I think now something that like really wouldn't work as well as it, it did back then. I think back then it was, it was pretty easy to, if you had a little bit of a following on social media to sort of launch some type of product and everyone would just buy it. Yeah. <laughs> Cause the algorithms were crazy back then. 
But like when I was a fitness coach at first, I didn't have my following. You know, like I, 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 I found that, <laughs> you know, what's really, what's really funny is like, it kind of came full circle. And like when I, you, you know, when you get sponsored by a company and you're kind yeah. of like, oh yeah, I'm sponsored by this company. And like, you kind of feel quite cool. And it's like, you know, these are all the things people won't, won't talk about, but it's just facts, you know? And like, I must say, I got way too big for my boots. Because I was like, oh yeah, well, like I'm a Gymshark and da da da. I don't need to. I don't need a business. Like I can just be sponsored by companies. Da 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 da. And uh, it's funny because it can come back around and bite you. And I think yeah. people chased sponsorships way too much back then. But I think they chase them even more now. Um, and so the one thing that I would like to hammer home to people is like your own business. That is your thing. No one can take that away from you. You have control over that. And so that is what's going to work for you into the long term. Um, but at the end of the day right now, the easiest thing to get clients is through organic outreach, through having a little chat with someone in Messenger then getting them on a sales call and then having a conversation with them and then getting them as a client if it's a good fit. I mean, that's just simple. And that's why I'm, I'm really keen to teach my clients strategies that continue to work rather than small little tactical things that change every single week (laughs) yeah that makes sense and what do you think that fitness professionals need to focus on when it comes to content creation I think when it comes down to content creation it's really about authority and credibility and so I think the mistake is that a lot of people chase visibility before they have authority and credibility nailed down because at the end of the day, you could have all of the visibility in the world, like some of these massive influences that we see, but they don't have any credibility in anything. And so that means that they struggle to get clients. They struggle to generate any real consistent revenue or money. Um, and so if you're able to position yourself as an expert, and if you post authority content, which really demonstrates that you know what you're talking about online, then people will see that. And then from there, it comes down to building the visibility. But I think people overcomplicate it. I mean, you don't need crazy amounts of social media content and you don't need to be posting every day. I, I used to believe that you did. And that's because I was relying on inbound marketing. So I was relying on leads coming to me. Whereas what I've learned, and it's really interesting because this is actually how I grew my business in the first place, but it's proven the test of time is that if you have some authority content on your profile that shows that you know what you're talking about and then you actually do outbound marketing which is where you're reaching out to people then that's the most effective way to be hitting your first sort of 10k months and then beyond that of course you can use the revenue that you have in your business to actually be running things like facebook ads um you can be building out funnels and webinars and bsls and free courses and all that fun stuff but i think really if people um Keep it simple, you know, keep it super simple and just make sure that you're, I, look, I could get into like the, all the psychology behind sort of, you know, highlighting people's problems and, you know, discussing the mistakes people make and not really sharing all the, like how to do all these things, da, 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 da. But at the end of the day, like just position yourself as an expert and actually get hungry and proactive and think like someone who wants to make sure that other people are not going to be falling into the wrong coach's hands because at the end of the day if they end up going for a coach that isn't you and you're the best at what you do then they're not getting the best help that they need that's how i like to think about it 
And do you think there's any sort of benefit in fitness professionals sharing their own journey um, when it comes to growing their fitness business? That's a great question. Um, it depends what you want to achieve, right? Um, if you want to help people build fitness businesses, then yeah, absolutely. Um, if you want to bring in clients for your own business, like for your fitness coaching, then I don't really think that it does too much. Um, it's not really something that I have ever really advised anyone to do. I sometimes see people posting on their social media, like share this to support a small business. And I see, I even saw a Facebook ad the other day, like, please help me. I'm really struggling because of COVID, which is really sad. Like they're putting money behind that, but the problem and I actually replied to it and I was like hey you know what's what's going on da, da, da. and like this person has still hasn't got back to me they it wasn't a fitness business but the reason I bring this up is because that isn't a good message to be putting out there right because it makes it look desperate and so the better thing to do is position it like this wow my business has been so crazy busy I'm serving so many clients I have to have a wait list now da, 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 da. and put, positioning it like that to make yourself seem more in demand that's a better way to talk about it. So rather than sort of like talking about the technical aspects of your business, posting on your stories, like I, I see it a lot, like people will post like, oh, client check-ins and all this, but that doesn't mean anything to anyone. <laughs> no one knows what that means except other fitness coaches. And so if you want fitness coaches replying to you, then cool, you'll probably make some friends. But if you want to attract clients, I, I just don't see the necessity for it. Yeah. And what about, so like, say, um, someone is sort of going through their own physical transformation, improving their body composition, like a fitness coach is, would you recommend that they share that? Or do you think there's, do you think there's any benefit in doing that? If it's the same as what your ideal clients after. So let me share this with you. I made a huge mistake when I was a fitness coach and I was helping women become stronger, both physically and mentally. That was my whole thing. And, um, <laughs> and I started competing, right? And so I was sharing my bikini prep and all this stuff. No one cared about that. A few people for sure were interested because they wanted to compete, but I just alienated all of my ideal clients because yeah. now they saw me as this like shredded person who was like ultra unrealistic. I had people DMing me saying like, are you taking clan? Yo, I was like 20 and I was like friggin' so tiny if you saw me in person. And it was just, I was so distant from my ideal client at that point. And so that was silly of me. Whereas like, obviously for you, it would be so different because you help people with prep. So your ideal clients, they want to see that because you competing and stuff that's aspirational to them and that's the direction that they want to go in and so it really depends on who it is but yeah. if I for example was sharing my you know powerlifting meets that was and I did that and that was really aspirational people were really impressed by that and they loved that because that's what they wanted to be they were like wow you can lift all this weight that's so cool so it's just making sure that you're coming at it from the angle that will actually make sense to your audience that's yeah. what I would say yeah, that makes complete sense. And I think that's really valuable for people to hear. Um, and if if you could go back now and go back into the, the fitness coaching business and be a fitness professional yourself, would you change anything in particular that you did 
or that you put your energy and effort into? The easiest answer to that is I would have spent way less energy trying to grow on social media. I mean, yeah. gosh, we have clients, like I have a client, so her name's Charmaine and she essentially helps people reverse diabetes, yeah? And so when she came to us, this is like 10 weeks ago now, she didn't have a social media. <laughs> she had nothing. She literally had nothing. She had done some in-person work, yeah? Now she's built a bit of a following on social, like what, 1,000 followers at this point of recording, maybe slightly under that. And she just did 16 and a half grand dollars in a month, right? Okay. This next month, I think she's gonna hit over 20K. She's not running any Facebook ads or anything. She was working two and a half jobs before. And basically her husband also was like, I think he was an engineer. I don't recall exactly what his job was. It was something very well paid. He's now quit his job and is working for her full time, right? And so she didn't even focus on social media. She focused on organic outreach to begin with. Now we're helping her with her Facebook ads and because she's using her revenue to build her team. And that's the second thing. I would have built, I would have really built my team. I would have systematized the three key areas of my business which is attraction, AKA lead generation, bringing new people in, conversion, AKA making sales, generating revenue, and fulfillment, AKA giving clients results. And I would have systematized each area so that I was able to take myself out of all those areas. I had the client fulfillment down because I had an impact offer, but the lead generation, the sales, like that was basically all on my shoulders. And so that was a huge problem because there's this, there's basically this saying sort of in like the whole world of VC, like venture capitalists and, and things like that. But it's essentially like, you know, if you got hit by a bus, would your business live on? And so that's what I always like to ask myself. And if I was in the fitness industry back then, sadly, the truth would have been no. Right. And so just imagine if you were out of business for a while and you couldn't do anything, what would happen to your clients? You know, they wouldn't be getting the help they need. So it's actually pretty unfair on your clients to not want to grow your business to a level whereby you're actually having team members on board. Because yeah. while you can probably do it better than everyone, and yeah, you can. I mean, you know, it's facts. Like you've had the business, you know the clients, you've been in their shoes. But at the end of the day, even if you're better, like I like to think about, I would rather have like a small piece of a huge pie than a big piece of a small pie. Because you know, the small piece of a huge pie is much, much easier to manage, way less stress. And then you also have a team around you who you can celebrate wins with. Um, and so if I could go back, I would have absolutely scaled my team much, much more quickly. That would have been where I was putting my energy and focus. Team is everything. Yeah. And if you were a fitness professional now and you were sort of hiring your first person or your first few people, um, I know we've had this conversation, but would you sort of who would you hire first the people to help you with like systems and onboarding and things like that or another coach so when it comes to who would i hire first i mean the thing is right it depends what you're good at and it depends where you're at right now so i don't think you should hire anyone until you have sops mapped out right so like this is why you know for example my client charmaine she was able to now she's bringing people on now. She's able to do that so fast because from the get-go, we helped her build our SOPs, standard operating procedures for everything. So that when a new team member comes in, within a couple of days, they're autonomous. They're good to go by themselves. But 
Whereas like, you know, if you don't have any of that mapped out and it's sort of you just, you know, opening your client's check-in and just having a look around and just getting a few bits done, there's no documentation step-by-step, then you're going to be spending even more time training this person when they first come in. So we have courses for every single team member and every single area so that when they come in, they know what to do, right? And it's pretty easily done. It's, it's really not that difficult to, to map this all out. Um, and that's another one of those things that we're building into our software as well, which will be really cool. Um, but just going back to that, it depends, right? So if you're someone that's really, really bad at marketing, like you're really bad at marketing, even though that's a revenue generating area, it might make sense for you to bring someone in to take care of that side of things. Whereas like, if you're into that, if you're into the marketing and sales, then, you know, this is, this would probably be the best thing in an ideal world for the majority of people was to bring in someone to take care of client fulfillment and work, work alongside of you with that. Um, I think a lot of people think way too small when they're making their first hire because they're afraid to bring someone in and pay them like two or three grand a month because that could be a huge part of what you're making right now. But at the end of the day, imagine if you have someone that's literally going to take care of all of the client work so that you can focus only on marketing and sales. You just have so much more time. So it's a bit of a difficult one, quite frankly, like what we advise to our clients when they're bringing on their first team member is sort of like trying to find someone who you're going to be paying like three or 4k per month. Who's a bit of a unicorn who can dip into every area. So making it very clear that that team member is only going to be having that role for a short period of time. Cause you don't want to have a unicorn person come in and get used to being able to just dip in and out of different areas. Cause then when you scale and you have a sales director, a head of marketing, you have a head of client fulfillment, then this person who has previously been everywhere is going to feel a bit jaded. <laughs> and this, this happened exactly for me. And then they'll cause absolute havoc. You know what I mean? And so um, I've suffered the consequences of that big time, like as in a hundred podcasts plus deleted and hacked and my website's all screwed and all of this because I made this mistake. And, you know, we had to essentially give out hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of and pounds worth of, um, sorry, I'm so used to speaking dollars because I speak to so many Americans of client extensions because of these issues. And so that was a real shame, but at the end of the day, you, you win some, you lose some, right? I learned a massive lesson there. And so, yeah, that unicorn person is cool to bring in with at the to bring in at the beginning, but just making it clear to them, like, this isn't going to be the role for the future. Um, so it's impossible to give a black and white answer like that, honestly. Um, but for the most part it is they'll probably be spending a lot of their time on the client performance side of things. Cause it's hard to find good salespeople. Um, especially like when it's sort of a personal brand facing business. Yeah, that makes sense. It's like in fitness, you know, there's no one size fits all. It's all person and business specific. Right. And yeah. Um, yeah, that's been, it's been really, really, oh, sorry, just <laughs> <laughs> um, It's been really great to have you on the podcast, Lauren. And obviously that finding people, helping people with their own business is exactly what you do. So where can people find you on social media and how can people become a part of Impact School if they are interested? Yeah, no, thank you. So we have a free course, which people can go over to at impactschoolmba.com. And then as well as that, if you can't find a link or it won't work for some reason, just send me a message on Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn, whatever you like. Just let me know that you came from this. Um, I always think it's really cool to hear it from people who have come from a podcast. And yeah, just let me know. Um, 
And it'd be great to hear like any questions that anyone has about anything that we discussed. And I'm always an open book, always happy to answer them. So yeah, thank you for having me on. I'm just Lauren Tickner across any social. Perfect. I will put Lauren's details down below for anyone who is interested in finding her on socials or becoming part of Impact School. But thank you so much for joining us today, Lauren. And I will see you guys in the next episode.